Okay, so I am currently reading Anna Karenina by Tolstoy. And it's a dope book. I very much enjoy it. But I want to read, there's like one spot in this book where the husband of Anna Karenina is suspecting and knows that she's having an affair. Now, he has not caught her in the affair. Nothing dramatic has happened, but her behavior towards him and towards this man she's having an affair with is very subtle, but so obvious that not just he knows, but like everybody in Russia knows <laughs> that she's you know having an affair. And so here comes now a part in the book where he where he is being put in a position again where it's now so much more obvious, it becomes increasingly harder for him to work against knowing, right? And in the very beginning, where he first suspected where there was the first kind of public interaction between him and his wife and the dude his wife has an affair with, the man that she is in love with, it was a very subtle kind of social little thing and her husband who is this kind of very hard working very career driven very ambitious guy very proper but maybe also very selfish and very much in his own world and own head grabbed her and talked to her about it but in the subtlest of ways just telling her hey basically maybe some things that you do you obviously are very innocent but some evil minds could misinterpret what you do and maybe you want to be careful not that so that people don't have the wrong impressions or he very kind of awkwardly tried to like talk to her about it and she kind of shut it down she was just like this is you know ridiculous blah 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 and she shut it down and he accepted it although he knew her reaction was kind of weird as well he knew this wasn't right so now comes the second kind of wave where this confrontation between her and her husband is going to a peak so it describes one part where he remembers that first conversation and he is now in his mind annoyed about some new things that are happening and is thinking about talking to her uh, and he's like in his own head thinking you know um how to approach this again. So I'll read from, from this paragraph. There was a tinge of vexation in his relations with her. Nothing more. You did not wish to have a talk with me. He seemed to be saying, mentally addressing her. So much the worse for you. Now you'll ask me and I won't talk. So much the worse for you, he said mentally, like a man who, after a vain attempt to put out a fire, gets angry at his vain efforts and says, serves you right. So for that, you can just burn down. He, who was so intelligent and subtle in official business, did not understand all the madness of such an attitude towards his wife. Yeah. Yeah, you get it, right? <laughs> this is dope, right? Like, I love that, how great he captures this. Yes. He tried to address something, but he did it kind of very timidly and weirdly. And because yeah. it didn't immediately work, he's now in his head thinking, well, now it's your fault. And when you will yeah. come to me, I will not. And he's like in his own head addressing her mm -hmm. in this angry, righteous voice. Um, so, and have we not all done this, you know, with people I, in I our lives? I definitely have never done this. Never, <laughs> you, ever. I know for sure, <laughs> have not done this at all. And then I love that. I think this sentence is so poetic, but also so true, maybe because it hits home for me and many men, especially men that are businessmen or something, or very ambitious entrepreneurial types, 
he who was so intelligent and subtle in official business did not understand all the madness of such an attitude towards his wife. It's like, you cannot, and he, the first time he addresses her, the way he thinks about how to talk to her, the way he talks to her is like a man who's thinking about like a, a this is enough, I have an official thing to say to this official business partner, but I can't say directly, like it's very business-like, right? Very yeah. rational, very tactical. Yeah. And it's like, this won't work in this situation at all. This is a terrible approach. I love that. All right, so another paragraph that I highlighted. So his name is Alexei Alexandrovich. Alexei Alexandrovich thought and said that he had never had so much official business in any other year as he had that year. But he did not realize that he had invented things for himself to do that year. That this was one way of not opening the drawer where his feelings for his wife and family and his thoughts about them lay, becoming more dreadful the longer they lay there. Another one of those universal truths of humanity, I feel, where we avoid something we are afraid of and we create an external world that aids us in avoiding it, but we think we're not conscious of that. So it just appears that, oh, I'm so busy busy these days. Or it appears that, wow, I had this accident and I've been like, whatever, like I've been distracted by my health or distracted by my business or distracted by some big fight that I have with my neighbor. And what we don't realize is that we invented that. We subconsciously created that noise in the external world to distract ourselves from something we don't feel ready to look at. Next one. How many times during his eight years of happy life with his wife, looking at other people's unfaithful wives and deceived husbands, had Alexei Alexandrovich said to himself, how can one let it come to that? How can one not undo this ugly situation? But now, when the disaster had fallen on his head, he not only did not think of how to undo the situation, but did not want to know about it at all. Did not want to know precisely because it was too terrible, too unnatural. Another one that I thought is very subtle, but is so wise. It's very easy to look at other people's mistakes and disasters and situations that are bad. And never having lived through any of them ourselves to know how they feel and to truly know how we would have dealt with them, we look over the fence and go, how could somebody do this? How can somebody allow that? But it's like, motherfucker, you don't know how it feels to be that person. You don't know how it feels to be in this situation. And if you've not experienced it, maybe we all need to be a bit more humble in casting judgments on others. And we've all, I mean, I've definitely been in the situation where I thought, how could somebody do this? And then when I was in that situation, I then totally understood how somebody could do this, you know? Because being in it was so drastically different from thinking about it. There's so many, there's like a couple of pages, but I highlighted so much in there because I thought it was so beautifully brilliant. All right, so this is, he's getting sick. I'll jump over this. Lots of little things like he's, having these meetings and encounters with his wife, but he's unconsciously always makes it so that he's almost never alone with her. So there's always a guest at the house for dinner when he's at the house with her. Or, you know, in all these kind of situations that he's interacting with her, he's in an unaware fashion making sure they're on their own or alone as little as possible. Because when they're alone in a room, just the two of them in quiet, it's much harder not 
to feel and see and then address. Um, but I'll jump over this. I think there's some... Oh, now here's a point where she is angry at him. And I thought that it was beautifully captured. Not just did he not really understand her and what was going on through her world and how to deal with her and that situation. She also really misunderstood him. And she's the one that is unfaithful. But through his actions during her unfaithfulness, she's getting angry at him. This is a situation where they're in a public horse race. There's all these politicians and lords and princesses and whatever, all this like higher folk of Russia. And she's there. And her lover is one of the people that is racing in that horse race. And her husband is showing up. And he's not showing up because he wants to see the horse race or her. It's because it's such a social event. He cannot not show himself there. So he shows up there. And he's kind of having all these very intellectual conversations with people close to her and around her. And that is kind of angering her. So here it comes. This is now from her perspective. He knows everything. He sees everything. What does he feel then if he can talk so calmly? If he were to kill me, if he were to kill Vronsky, that's the guy she's having an affair with, I would respect him. But no, he needs only lies and propriety, Anna said to herself not thinking of precisely what she wanted from her husband or how she wanted to see him. Nor did she understand that Alexei Alexandrovich's particular loquacity, I don't even know that word, that day, which so annoyed her, was only the expression of his inner anxiety and uneasiness. As a child who has hurt himself jumps about in order to move his muscles and stifle the pain, so for Alexei Alexandrovich, mental movement was necessary in order to stifle those thoughts about his wife which in her presence and that of Vronsky, and with his name constantly being repeated, clamored for his attention. Right? So she looks at him and goes, I'm having an affair. This dude is so brilliant and so smart and knows everything. And here he stands next to me and is waxing on some philosophical bullshit while I'm looking at the guy I'm having an affair with. Like, why is he so fucking useless, right? Why is he not, if he was screaming at me, if he was, if he killed me with a sword right now, I would respect him. But look at this, like, what kind of a piece of shit is he? But she doesn't realize that he is in agony and pain. And the only way he knows how to deal with those emotions because of the type of man he is, is not to take out a sword and kill her or to make a big scene, but to busy his mind and engage in like these hyper-intellectual conversations to distract himself from what he is not courageous enough to look at right now, right? So she looks at him as this kind of calm, head-in-the-clouds guy and is mad at him when he is fighting to appear calm because inside he's in pain. And it's so, again, to me, this is such a beautiful human universal story where two people that are important to each other, that are bound to each other for various reasons. And this couple, like this married couple, there's no issues they've had other than it appears that they were never madly in love. They got married and had a proper life and were respectful and nice to each other. But maybe they were not really truly in love and working on their relationship well enough. Who knows? But there's no issue here. There's no obvious backstory that justifies the crisis they're going through. But I think that the idea of having two people that are bound to each other in life, and then one is hurting the other, and they're both completely confusing in their dealing with it and in interpreting the other's actions and kind of so wrong and so misunderstanding of the other, uh, I 
find that that's so human. That's such a universal story of life and of people. Okay, so here's another situation. So I think this is now close to, oh, this is now the, the I think the, the peak moment where the man she's having an affair with is having an accident during the horse race. And her reaction is so dramatic and obvious to everybody that this woman is totally in love with this guy. And her husband is there and it's kind of very public affair and he's trying to stay calm and offer her his hand to leave and to calm her down and pretends he doesn't see that she's so distraught because she loves the guy. And she's so in her own world that she's like ignoring him and kind of doesn't pay attention how obvious it is what she's doing. So now they eventually they're getting to a point where they have to talk about this. Now, when the disclosure of everything was hanging over him, he wished for nothing so much as that she would mockingly answer him just as before that his suspicions were ridiculous and had no grounds. So dreadful was what he knew that he was now ready to believe anything. But the expression of her face, frightened and gloomy, did not promise even deceit. Perhaps I am mistaken, he said. In that case, I beg your pardon. No, you're not mistaken, she said slowly, looking desperately into his cold face. You're not mistaken. I was and could not help being in despair. I listen to you and think about him. I love him. I am his mistress. I cannot stand you. I'm afraid of you. I hate you. Do what you like with me. So this is kind of the, the moment where he, she doesn't give him the option anymore to be deceived. But again, I, you know, the, it's this big drama and everybody is obviously in the know and he's trying to pretend nothing is happening and they're leaving and he's bringing it up very timidly, but then he's like regretting it immediately and thinking, not thinking, but hoping that she will just lie to him so he doesn't have to face this. Um, I, I, I loved, I think, the expression, like that, that one sentence, but the expression of her face, frightened and gloomy, did not promise even deceit. Like did not promise even deceit. Love that. Um, and so finally she reveals it to him. And, you know, now it's kind of, now it's spoken out loud. Now they'll have to deal with it in one way or another. Um, but what I love, I mean, I, I really enjoy this book. I think he writes beautifully, Tolstoy writes beautifully in this book about human nature and humanity and relations and feelings. One thing that he does in the book that I really love is that oftentimes there's two people that are having a, a conversation or a dialogue and then the dialogue ends and then he's writing how one is talking to the other with their eyes. And then she was looking at him and her eyes were saying, please, you know, do this to me, do that to me. And his eyes were saying something different, you know, and it's like talking about the kind of how people continue to talk with their eyes and their bodies long past the, when they stopped speaking or in other situations, he starts off dialogue with the eyes and then he goes into actually uh, talking out loud. I think it's super, there's something very perceptive about interactions uh, of people, but you, you, you write, it's beautifully written book. You get sucked into the people and the characters immediately. And so far, one other thing that I really love, I mean, I'm only quarter through the book, so there's still a lot to read. But the other thing that I really love is that although almost every character that he 
is presenting, not almost, I think every character is presenting in this book has flaws, has obvious flaws, and is making mistakes, and is doing some bad things. But every character is also innocent and good. And so there are no, so far, there are no bad people. There are no, there's no division between good and bad. As in, these are the bad characters in the story and these are the good characters in the story. Every character in the story is carrying various varying amounts of good and bad. And some very good characters do very bad things and some very bad characters do some really good things. And it is much more messy to figure out who your hero here will be, who to feel for. You kind of start feeling for all of them for different reasons. And I find that also, like I find that it's very hard to do this well in writing, in storytelling, but but it is so much more alive because it's so much closer to reality. Like people are not good and bad as like one blob of being, even the worst humans have done some very kind things. Probably, I've been. I, I, I remember telling my uh, one of my older brothers was a bouncer, and there were many people I didn't like when I was like sixteen, seventeen. And I remember, I you know, I would bring up some dude, and I would say, "Oh, that dude is a total asshole. I really don't like him." And my brother would go, "Really? That guy's so nice." And then I brought up somebody else. I'm like, "Oh, that guy that said did this and this. That guy is a piece of shit." My brother was like, "Really?" He's so nice. And then one day I remember telling me, well, motherfucker, everybody's nice to you. You're a bouncer. Like everybody's trying to get into the club. So all these people, of course, they're nice to you, right? And I think I'm like 16, 17. That was the first moment where I also realized, well, wait a second. Every asshole is somebody's best friend. And every awesome person to me is somebody's asshole, right? I know that like a lot of people thought I was a nice person when I was younger, but there were also people that thought I'm an asshole. And that's still probably true today. I don't like to think about it. Nobody's confronting me with this. But there are people out there in the world, maybe they haven't interacted with me, or maybe some of them have interacted with me and have interpreted those actions in a certain way that would say Stelly is a terrible human, a selfish, arrogant asshole. And then there's other people that would say, no, he's not arrogant at all. And he's like the kindest and he's been so helpful and is like sweet and everything. So realizing that we are all different things to different people and we've been all different things at different times. And when you get somebody that is able to write and build really rich, in-depth characters that are in conflict with each other and where a lot of life drama happens, but it's not painted in black and white. There's so much gray and Everyone is just a complicated person. Um, I really admire that. That's so artful to me. So I love that about um, about the book Anna Karenina. It's like, although they're all flawed, they're also kind of good and innocent and complicated and conflicted. And uh, I love that. But the piece, the, the reason I wanted to bring out that piece is because it was the first time that for a number of pages. I thought it described the situation of the husband that is trying to ignore a big drama, a big catastrophe in his life, to push it away, to look at it. And any time it approaches him, it, it has proximity to him, 
he has this approach that is completely wrong where he you know in his mind gets angry at her and thinks that he's gonna show her but by not talking to her about this or by letting her burn or whatever and her side of things which is not you know you would think a lot of the writing prior to what I read is talking about her guilt like she's feeling guilty tremendously guilty uh, about her actions but she doesn't feel guilty towards her husband for whatever reason she feels guilty towards her son and society and being a bad person but towards her husband she's more angry than anything which is kind of surprising but very common right she's doing the bad thing but she's angry at the person that she's hurting because somehow there is a history there that makes her feel righteous to blame him and in this one quote that i read where he's next to her and is like loofy goofy talking poshy about some philosophical theories that is like feeding the flames of her anger towards him because she's like, look at what a piece of shit of a man he is. Here I am, you know, having an affair. He knows it probably, but look, he's, he doesn't care. He's just in his own world. He just cares about ambition. He doesn't care, just cares about public perceptions. He doesn't care about me. And that interpretation of his actions is making her angry at him for her actions and his responses to it. And all that as well to me, I felt was just beautifully captured something that is flawed. Her interpretations of his actions are wrong. Um, and her being angry at him, at least in this situation is misguided, but is maybe a protection mechanism to not feel as guilty, to feel encouraged to keep going with what she's doing or to feel at least that once maybe her relation will break off or her husband then does something bad to her that she won't feel like those actions were justified, but that her husband is really the enemy and the bad guy in this in this situation. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really, I really loved those last couple of pages and that complexity of how these two people trying to deal with this with this drama in their life. 